millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This was able to happen because Driscoll and other leaders of the church were able to utilize emotion. Welcome to episode 57 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails. What led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I'm your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at the downfall of the Mars Hill Church. What makes for a cult following? What is that intangible thing, that perfect alignment of stars and circumstances that propel a person, product, or trend into the elite category of have-to-haves, fandom, or infatuation? Is it a slogan like, just do it, or a high-flying phenom like a Michael Jordan that rocket launches Nike to new heights? Is it a charismatic personality or CEO like Steve Jobs who is a visionary with laser focus that reinvents our whole mobile experience and forever keeps us tethered and connected to our devices? Or is it part of a well-crafted brand or message, a habitual daily need for something as simple as coffee that pushes Starbucks to every corner of the world? Or perhaps it's FOMO, fear of missing out, and the water cooler talk that makes us feel like we need to be a part of something like the ever-moving speed of culture. For me, I can't imagine going through a day without using my Apple suite of products. My phone, laptop, earbuds, watch, getting my daily matcha latte at Starbucks and picking up the kids in my Aloe Yoga wear. Oh, and of course, my pair of Fear of God slip-ons that I haven't taken off since 2020. These days, daily brands fill a purpose or void, whether it's due to great product marketing or great leaders. But sometimes, even with the right packaging, an unbridled leadership can lead us down a path of darkness. While looking into this phenomenon of big personalities, building businesses, and wealth and power, I couldn't help but think about the business of megachurches. And Mars Hill Church comes to mind immediately. In studying the similarities in leadership and management that I saw when it came to cult brands, Mars Hill became so intriguing. It was a Seattle-based church led by a man named Mark Driscoll, who by all accounts was a really beloved, endeared, powerful presence in the evangelical Christian community. 
He built Mars Hill into one of the fastest growing churches in the country with close to 15,000 attendees and an additional 260,000 viewers tuning in online every week. Driscoll was an absolute rock star. He was adored, he was treated like a celebrity, and he was cool, hip, and well-rounded. Driscoll and his wife even wrote a guidebook titled Real Marriage that was number one on the New York Times bestseller list in 2012. To the outside world, the tremendous growth that Mars Hill experienced was unlike anything other churches had seen, and it was refreshing. But behind the perfect persona was a twisted reality waiting to be uncovered. What was revealed was a trail of abuse, fraud, intimidation, sexism, and a fall from grace that would make it one of the most spectacular collapses in the world of Christianity today. Welcome to the story of Mars Hill Church, founded in 1996, condemned and denounced in 2014. The fall of Mars Hill is an example of how, no matter how great and pure one's initial intentions are, without the right checks and balances, we can all suffer the decimation of businesses, communities, loyalty, and faith. And in order to understand the rise and demise of Mars Hill, we need to know more about the man behind the story, Mark Driscoll. Driscoll was born in 1970 in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and raised as a Roman Catholic. He later moved to an area of Washington that he would come to describe as a pretty rough neighborhood. In high school, he was really well-liked, served as a student body president, captain of the baseball team, editor of the school newspaper, and was even voted most likely to succeed. There, he also met the woman that he would later go on to marry. And by the time he hit 19, as a college freshman, he found his calling when God spoke to him and told him his life mission was to reach young people who were disillusioned with traditional Christianity. By the 90s, Driscoll was holding Bible studies in his home. He'd invite friends and acquaintances to join him as he shared his messages of grace and redemption. And as the congregation grew, they started meeting in local community centers and eventually renting a space at a nearby theater. By 1996, Driscoll and his peers founded what was known as the Mars Hill Church. Mars Hill was an evangelical megachurch that was founded in Seattle that operated from around 1996 to 2014. Mars Hill had around 15 facilities or, or satellite churches in five different states, and it served anywhere from 13 to 16,000 attendees. The number kind of varies depending on the source. 
And this does not include the, the hundreds of thousands who tuned into Pastor Mark Driscoll's preaching online. That was Dr. Jeremy Cohen, who teaches at the McMaster's Department of Religious Studies. Here, he talks about what made Mars Hill skyrocket in popularity. I think that people saw Mars Hill generally as being this very kind of cool and and hip church. You know, it's been highlighted that the church had a lot of famous members, including, you know, a bunch of indie musicians, which is something that immediately piqued my interest. But it, it was also famous for its teachings on sexuality. You know, this is a time when other evangelical pastors and, and mega churches, you know, were preaching against the sin of sex. And Driscoll was preaching a rather erotic message, um, including publishing books, you know, with titles like Porn Again Christian, although, you know, it still operated within the confines of, you know, certain gender and sexual norms. Driscoll's sermons were what put him on the map. Not only did they resonate with listeners, they were a total departure from anything that most of his congregants had ever heard of in church. He was unafraid of tackling controversial and taboo topics that traditional faith leaders would prefer to ignore. He had no problem calling out his male followers for not being good enough providers for their women, referring to those who played with video games or spent their time preoccupied with their pickup trucks as, quote, really, really dumb. And then he would flip the script somehow and preach to women that they should be sexually submissive to their husbands, often going into details about oral sex, amongst other things. Despite his brash sermons, many found him refreshing. He was like this evangelical bad boy who almost seemed like he was doing stand-up at times. And yet, this was a man of God. That dichotomy was enigmatic and controversial even, which made him revered in this weird way. If that description sounds familiar to you, it's because, well, it's not so far off from the ones that we hear in reference to many company founders and disruptors that we read in headlines about today. And like many of the founders we follow, Driscoll pushed the envelope. His message offered aspiration and hope. He embraced social media and technology, using it to spread his message to a wider audience. And he began hosting conferences and events that drew thousands upon thousands of people from around the country. By the early 2000s, Mars Hill Church had emerged as a major force in the Christian world with a devout following and a reputation for pushing the boundaries and challenging the status quo. In 2013, the Church Guide released the top 10 churches to watch in America, with Mars Hill ranked as number three. And what seemed like a godsend for young Christians living in a world of innovation and changing social norms, the house of God would soon become a house of cards. Even as Mars Hill was being celebrated by the evangelical world, the walls were beginning to crumble. In 2012, the church and its members saw the resignation of Paul Tripp, a very popular pastor at the Mars Hill Church. Tripp served on the Board of Advisors and Accountability and had expressed concerns about the church's leadership and culture as reasons for his departure. Despite this warning sign, a lot of church members were afraid to speak out and didn't really have the power to do so. You see, prior to this, 
other former church members had tried to speak up about the abusive and controlling nature of the church's leadership. And they were all fired. There were a few things that precipitated the downfall and a few things that I think people were starting to notice, you know, before everything finally collapsed. You know, one was the way in which the church itself dealt with dissent. You know, it had a habit of pushing out certain pastors, pushing out certain leaders. It had a a leadership model that appeared fairly democratic, but when someone left or someone was forced out of the church, members were encouraged to break ties with them. They were encouraged to kind of keep those people at a distance. And I think that that is certainly a red flag when you are telling members who they can and cannot associate with. That is certainly problematic. Around 2006-2007, Driscoll had decided to do a massive reorganization of how the church should be governed. In the past, the full council was made up of about two dozen church elders who had equal voting rights about the big decisions, while another committee handled the day-to-day operations. But during the reorg, Driscoll fired his staff and replaced them with yes-men and made changes to the bylaws that would grant him full power over all church decisions. No more voting. And when two pastors attempted to vote against this reorg, they were fired and held up as an example that, quote, going off mission leads to being unemployed. This became a turning point for the church. Not long after this grasp of full control came accusations against Driscoll for plagiarism. In 2013, it was discovered that he had plagiarized several portions of his book, which, remember, was a New York Times bestseller. This led to the removal of his book from some Christian bookstores. Many saw this as another warning sign of potential issues within the church, but it would turn out to be just a small part of a much larger scheme. Another thing that occurred really had to do with issues of plagiarism. You know, Driscoll's books were bestsellers. They were huge in you know, in the world of evangelical Christianity, but it started coming out that his work was largely plagiarized. He took 14 pages of another person's book and added them verbatim to his own. And then, you know, there were a number of of plagiarism issues that began to surface and, you know, claims about just how much of a bestseller his books actually were, whether or not he paid a company to uh, manipulate sales. There was also issues with the allocation of funds to one of their global missionary services. It was very unclear if the money that people were donating to their global fund was actually making it to the people that it said they were supposed to be helping. So all of these things were were happening in the background. And because power and money go hand in hand, Driscoll held an immense amount of control over the church coffers and people started to ask questions. For instance, some church leaders couldn't seem to find out where its members' tithes were going. Not petty cash in a collections tray. We're talking $30 million annually. Mars Hill also had a global fund where millions of dollars were donated by its members who were told that these offerings went to Ethiopia and India for missions. But in reality, those missions never happened and the funds were instead used to grow the church. 
Another part of the financial scrutiny tied back to the books. It was alleged that Driscoll spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy his and his wife's way onto the New York Times bestseller list by way of list fixing. The astonishing lack of transparency and accountability over accounting earned Mars Hill the infamous title as the Enron of Churches. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In 2014, a group of former Mars Hill Church pastors wrote a letter to the church's board of directors outlining their concerns about Driscoll's leadership. The pastors alleged that Driscoll had engaged in abusive behavior, including misogyny, homophobia, verbal attacks, and intimidation. Though it wasn't the first time these accusations were brought to surface, there had been so much impropriety on the inside that leaked to the outside. It was enough to cast doubt on the church and corrupt its work. By August of that year, Driscoll resigned before he could be forced out, and the church didn't survive long after, ultimately disbanding in 2015. In the final days of Mars Hill Church, there was a palpable sense of sadness and heartbreak among its members. The resignation of Driscoll sent shockwaves through the congregation and the broader Christian community. Driscoll had built a massive and far-reaching following of hundreds of thousands. For some, the news of Driscoll's resignation tested their faith. They had placed so much trust in him and his vision for the church that his departure left them feeling lost and unsure of what to do next. While others were relieved that Driscoll was finally gone, having seen his leadership as toxic and abusive. Still, the mix of emotions from the scandal and controversy continues to plague the community even to this day. The downfall and Mark Driscoll serves as a cautionary tale about the dangers of unchecked power and leadership in businesses, within organizations, even religious ones that operate as businesses. And even a man on a holy mission can turn out to be corrupt. For some, it may seem strange to look at CEOs and church leaders as so similar. But to lead a company and a congregation, it's not so different. 
especially when the success of each depends on their ability to sell a vision, a belief system, and to recruit new believers or customers along the way. The narrative here is not that charisma is a red flag, but the sign to watch out for is when your emotions are being manipulated to overcome good sense and reason. This not only happens in churches, but in big corporations where inspiring CEOs and leaders can take congregations or investors down the wrong path, blindly following on hope and groupthink. You know, it went well beyond just Sunday services. And this was able to happen because people like Driscoll and other leaders of the church were able to utilize emotion. They were able to utilize emotion and they were able to utilize these notions of self-blame and and blame of others, which is something that I think is a lot more pervasive in our society in general than we like to think it is. We often will blame ourselves or blame other people for things like illness, even death. Now, I have family members who have died and have heard other family members say, well, if they had only been a little bit more positive, maybe they'd they'd still be around today. You know, these are ways of using emotion and ways of directing emotion in order to get people to feel a certain way and to do a certain thing. And I think that this is something that, you know, really needs to be kept at the forefront and something that people need to keep in mind. You know, why do you feel the way that you feel? Why does a particular person make you feel the way that you feel? And that's not to say that emotion and that the use of emotion is always going to be a negative thing. I mean, it's going to be used to manipulate people, but it can be used for those purposes very easily. Special thanks to Professor Jeremy Cohen for his contributions to this episode and sharing his insight on what led to the downfall of Mars Hill Church. And thank you for tuning in this week to The Great Fail, a program that spotlights some of the most infamous case studies of failed businesses, brands, and ideas, and goes beyond that to garner lessons and wisdom so that we all can learn from the greatest mistakes. The Great Fail is part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcast. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of these episodes would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Connect with us at The Great Fail on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that we can continue bringing you more episodes. And remember, with great failure comes great liability. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.